running, getting to the cake. Dog, you ain't a hundred, this a hundred. Let me demonstrate. If she ain't got brains, then I ain't trying to penetrate. And if you ain't a stand up needy, you could get your dinner ate. I ain't buying all that real shit. Dog, you benefit. To go on a dinner date. Now we on the interstate. Might be a rookie in the game, but I been a great. And we about autonomy, dog. We ain't trying to integrate. Man, we ain't trying to integrate. Was broke back then, now the youngest seeing different kick. We don't go all feelings, we just make sure that the business straight. And if you ain't an intellect, then you can't get a penetrate. Local Niji, now I'm getting love all in different states. Gotta Niji, if you ain't got scars, then you can't relate. Royal, all of my knees, they royal. All of my knees, they loyal. We ain't the same, we ain't normal. Adore you, baby girl, I adore you. Pretty face and she loyal. you. Told to fix your crown, girl, you roll you. Wait. That was Royal brought to you by our next guest on the Cyber Creek Show, Aboriginal God MC John Bricks. If you tune in at the beginning of the show, we featured a song Integrate uh, during the intro. And if you've been following any Cyber Creek posts over the course of the last couple of weeks on Instagram, ladies, then you should be very familiar with the straight fire that he's been spitting. So without further ado, peace to the God, John Bricks. Peace, peace, peace to the God. Peace to the room, you feel me? Peace to the audience. Yes, indeed. I got to ask you, man. How does it feel being in the game with the current barrage of coonery and buffoonery constantly on display? And how does that motivate you to do what you do? Okay, so, uh, well, first and foremost, I want to introduce myself. For those that may not know me, I go by the name John Bricks. And like my brother said, I'm an Aboriginal hip-hop artist. And basically, my specialty is to, you know, rap about things that ain't conventional, you know, things about us being Aboriginal and how we can free ourselves, you know. I consider that like, you know, reverse COINTELPRO, like how you were speaking about COINTELPRO a little earlier. I consider it like reverse COINTELPRO because it's like, you know, they push a destructional message to tear down our people. But what I want to do is I want to do the opposite of that. Now, and I could get to your uh, question. Um, Basically, man, it, it's, it's frustrating sometimes. Because it's like, you know, when I first started doing music, I wasn't privy to the knowledge that I was um, that I'm privy to right now. So I kind of understand why people do certain things, even though it's certain people that just do a little bit too much. You know what I'm saying? But like for some people who just, you know, you grew up in the projects and things of that nature, and this is your environment, and you basically articulate in your environment. I kind of understand it from that angle as well. But you know, um. What keeps me motivated is the youth, honestly. Like, that's what really, really keeps me motivated. Like, you know, just the children. I know that it's a lot of older people that's just stuck in their ways, and that's just how they're going to be. But, you know, I know that it's youth who still are impressionable and, you know, still looking for something to gravitate to. So I want to put this type of message in the air, and hopefully it gravitates to the right people. Man, that's that's awesome, man. So, um so we all saw the video UV Manny Fresh and Mia X put out talking about backs that thing up and now I've just been privy to uh Boosie out here promoting the jab to all the people in Baton Rouge <laughs> talking about it's a sleep up movement. I mean, what do you say to these rappers, young and old, prostituting themselves to poison their people? Well, first and foremost, it's a sleeve down movement on this side. You already know how we give it up. Like, we ain't doing none of that. But, um, 
I just basically had zero respect for any rapper that's pushing that poison on our people, especially in this time, you know, with all this information now, all of these people going hard and say that I nature. I know they probably came across the information at least. I'm pretty sure right now the, the way they're going hard on the internet, everybody came across some information that could be helpful in assisting us with this whole vaccine thing, you know, but I feel like a lot of people think that it's conspiracy theories and things of that nature. But you know, in every generation we ever had, from the Malcolm X's to um, the Marcus Barbies, we always had coons. You know what I'm saying? Like, this enemy could not thrive without the assistance of our people against us. You know, mm. so what I say to that is, we at war. We at war. And, you know, all skin ain't kin, right? Facts. You make it very clear regarding your stance of being an Aboriginal American. Um, I just got to ask you, how long have you known that your ancestors were here prior to colonization? And what inspired you to incorporate that into your music? And isn't that kind of, you know, bad for business? You know, that you're not actually lying in 85% of your rhymes like most of your peers. <laughs> yeah, well, um, Aboriginal American? I knew I was Aboriginal American, I'm going to say about since 2017. So as far as, the, you know, the advanced knowledge and us being Aboriginals, I'm, I'm pretty much new to that type of information. However, my mom always told me that we was Indian. You know what I'm saying? My mom, since I was very, very young, my mom was like uh, Indian. She showed me pictures of my ancestors and things of that nature. But the, the image that I had in my head was the Indians that they was teaching us in school. You know, so I, I wasn't really putting two and two together. I'm thinking, oh, I'm black mixed with Indian. That's what I thought the whole entire time or whatever until I started to uh, come across some new information that just put me on the right uh, track. I even remember probably like, I'm going to say first grade, um, my teacher, she was talking about the Indians and she was saying how uh, if you're an Indian nowadays, you're tax exempt, um, you go to college for free, it's a bunch of different benefits. And I remember saying, well, so that means I'm going to go to college for free because I'm an Indian. And I remember she uh, kind of like tried to crush me with it. And she was like, well, you'll have to prove it and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, I uh, went home one day and I was asking my mom, like, uh, how can I prove it or whatever. And she, she really didn't have any, like, tangible thing for me to uh, gravitate to to prove it. So, you know, I kind of just, like, forgot about it. Well... For anyone in the audience or for any of your people, they don't have to worry about having to prove it anymore because we got a remedy for that. And so uh, to follow up, my next question for you is, um, I know in your song, and I've had this conversation with you, God, because it really, uh, it really got the hairs on my arm standing up because I love the message. When you say we need autonomy, not equality, what exactly does that mean to you? And what does that look like in, say, 2021? Or what will it even look like in, say, 2025 or 2030? You know, they got that, that agenda 2030 and even, like, 2050. Like, what, what will it look like for our children? Well, um, autonomy over equality. Uh, basically, um, from me engaging with certain type of people, I've noticed that a lot of our people are comfortable with complaining about the uh, position that our people are in, right? So when I see uh, people that I used to look up to that I don't look up to no more, that I thought was conscious in the community, and I see them repeating the same stuff that Malcolm X was doing. I see them repeating 
the same stuff that uh the Black Panthers was doing, it it kind of troubles me in a way because it's like it's like um in a way it's like damn y'all in all these years y'all ain't come up with nothing new y'all ain't come up with no new tangible solutions for our people. And I started to notice that everybody just like talking about it. Like, we need this. We need this. We need that for the community. Um, If we just come together, we could do this. If we just come together, we could do that. So, you know, what I started to notice is that, damn, I don't really think that our people want to be free. I think they just want inclusion. Whatever white people do, they want to be included in that. You know what I'm saying? So that's when I came up with the whole, uh, we don't need equality. We need autonomy. We don't need to be equal to these people. We don't need equal rights as these people. We don't need equal anything as these people. We need autonomy. We need the ability to do for ourselves, operate for ourselves without permission or anything from these people. You know, separation, you know, segregation. I'm heavy into the whole segregation thing. Like integration was probably like one of the downfalls of our people in um, our generation. Uh, the past generation. So I just like, basically that, that's how I came up with the whole slogan of autonomy over equality. And then especially once I came across uh chief Ali information, like I'm like, Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? It just basically put the icing on the cake for me. And it was like, okay, it makes sense. It makes sense. Autonomy is what we need. So this whole searching to be accepted or searching for them to pass a law for us or searching for them to give us reparations. Nah, let's dare that. Let's do for ourselves. Let's create our own jurisdictions. Let's uh, create our own autonomous zones and let's do what we do for our people. Um, and you, you asked the second, what was the second part to the question again? What does that look like in 2021 and what will it look like in 2025, 2030 and 2050 for our children? Okay, um, well, in 2021, it looks like honor, <laughs> point blank, period. Like, you know what I'm saying? If you ain't uh, hip on what honor doing for the people, I, I think that you really, really, really need to get with some of the powerful people on this stage and get with the movement and get with the program. It looks like honor in 2021, you know what I'm saying? But uh, as far as like in the future, uh, 2030, 20, uh, what would you say, 2030, 2050, things of that nature, it basically just looked like, you know, the inner white supremacy indefinitely. You know what I'm saying? It just looked like for now and on, if we focus on autonomy from now into uh, 2020, um, into uh, 2050, you know, and we follow the blueprint that chief already put out for us. And, you know, we get the like-minded individuals to follow that. And whoever don't, you know, they just going to be a casualty of war. This look like a uh, total freedom, total Liberty, the stuff that they talk about. We need this look like finally us being able to obtain that and keep that. You know what I'm saying? That's what it looks like. Sounds like, uh, huh, the theme for one of my t-shirts called checkmate. <laughs> All right, uh, so I'm going to um, move along. Um, for me personally, growing up in the 90s, I was heavily influenced by Ice Cube, Wu-Tang, Tupac, Biggie, Nas, Daisy, you know, the usual suspects, Mob D, Outkast, well, Common, uh, Most Dev, Talia Kweli, et cetera, et cetera. You obviously represent the Brick City in Shamanica. So I got to ask you, what MCs influenced you growing up in Jersey? Okay, well, uh, not too many Jersey MCs influenced me, if that makes sense. But it's uh, 
there's one lady who's from Brick City that definitely influenced me, and her name, she go by Lauren Hill. I, I know y'all familiar with Lauren Hill. Uh, she And she's actually from uh, North Brick City as well, so that was a, a major plus. But uh, she influenced me a lot because just, you know, her frequency and, you know, the things that she talked about and the way that she talked about them, it just showed me that, you know, like you could be a big time artist and talk about things, you know what I'm saying, other than the uh, negative things that they uh, portray for us to talk about. But uh, a couple other artists, not including Jersey artists, uh, is Tupac and Nas. Like you already know, like Tupac, you know, that's the whole revolutionary thing that, you know, that's what I'm not going to say I get it from that, but it's like, you know, I, I looked up to Malcolm X growing up and he's like the Malcolm X of rap, you know what I'm saying? So it's like it was somebody that I've seen that, you know, actually cared about our people and voiced his message unapologetically. And, you know, I'm very, very highly influenced by him and Nas for the lyricism, like, you know, the way he uh, put the words together and things of that nature. I always admired the way he did that. And uh, basically, uh, Lauren Hill, Tupac, and Nas, those are basically my three. Yeah, that's a hell of a list right there. So I got to ask you, how long did it take you before you discovered that you had a gift? Um, pretty much, I'm going to say this was when I was in fourth grade. Um, I was in fourth grade, and there was this dude named Jatan in my class. And, you know, like, he was a popular boy. He, uh, you know, got all the girls. He played basketball. I played basketball, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so one day he performed for the class. And um, I'm, I'm looking at him, and I looked at the reaction that he got, you know. And I'm like, yo, that's dope. What is that? Like, you know what I'm saying? And then after that day, I went home, and I was talking to my mom. And I'm like, uh, Mom, uh, I want to rap. Like, how how could I rap? Like, you know, how could I rap? And then uh, basically she was like, okay, well, you're going to have to write. And she taught me how to write, like, rhymes. And she taught me, like, the schemes and stuff like that. And then once I wrote my first rhyme, it was about uh, George Bush, the president. You know, it, it was some political stuff back then when I was, like, uh, real young. I was, like, nine years old. And it was about some uh, political stuff and how we was going to war in Iraq and all that type of stuff. It was, like, one of those type of rhymes. And that's when I first discovered that um, I had a gift. Once I wrote that ROM and performed in front of the class and I got a certain reaction, I'm like, okay, uh, I like this. I, I-, I could vibe with that. I love it. I love it. So what do you say to these MCs in the game selling the soul in the corporate slavery and the 360 deal? And on the flip side, how do you compete as an independent artist without mainstream promotion? Autonomy over equality. Period. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we ain't trying to integrate. So with that being said, yes, um, black people, we lead the market in hip-hop, but the owners are not our people. You know? The owners are not. So it's like, I don't want to be owned by these people. I don't want to do... I'm not going to say I ain't going to do no business with these people, but, you know, I don't want it to be where, you know, they're on top of me and they in control of my art and they in control of my message because my message is to destroy these people. You know what I'm saying? So uh, when I see other artists doing it, I, I don't have any respect for that type of stuff. Like, that's not the type of stuff I respect. I don't, and I know some people got to feed their family and things of that nature, and I understand those situations. Every situation differs. But with me, I don't have any respect for that because it's like you're selling out to these people and these people are basically funding the prison systems and things of that nature that's 
directly destroying our communities. So I can't respect that type of stuff. But as far as how I can compete, and that's a message for anybody that's an artist or anybody that's doing anything, uh, if you got a business or anything, as long as you have people that support you, you're straight. You don't have to worry about all of the other stuff. Like, And with me, I do that with my music. As long as I have a core audience of people that's going buy my album, that's going to buy my merch, that's going to buy anything that I put out, I'm just going to look to increase that list. I'm going to look to increase my email list of people, like-minded people who support what I do. And as long as I got those people and those people are supporting me, I can support myself and, you know, I can uh, create revenue that way. And that's all that matters to me, getting the spotlight and being in front of everybody and things of that nature. Yeah, that's cool. But, you know, um, if that means that I have to sell my soul to these people that are oppressive to my people, then I'm not with that at all, you know. And as long as I got my core audience, that's all that matters. And it ain't really a competition because, you know, I feel like we're in an age of information right now. So that's why I uh, make the music that I make for this time because as the awakening is happening, more people will gravitate to my music. It's not all about who's going to gravitate to it right now. But I know that I can relate to those who already get it and who already has awakening. And I can also be that assistant to those who um, are on a journey to awakening. Man, let me tell you something. He's just answering questions. So just imagine what it sounds like in your headphones when you're working out or when your car driving on a highway. There's a reason why I gave you the nickname Aboriginal God in Seaman. This brother is, I haven't felt this way about music in years. I don't even listen to 95% of the current hip-hop, but when I heard about this guy, man, whew. So uh, let, me, let me stay on track. <laughs> um, so I posed the same question to our first guest, Shira. So I have to ask you the same, guy. And I think it's probably a rhetorical question. Are you the black sheep of your family? Yeah, man. They got us. <laughs> they got us and you know it, it's like sometimes it it get fresh it get it get lonely sometimes but now it ain't lonely no more because like you said you gotta find your tribe you know so ever since i came and uh came in contact with arna i've been the happiest i've been because before that you know i you know once i started to ascend and once i started to wake up i couldn't relate to my friends i couldn't really relate to my family no more when it came to certain things, I couldn't even really have conversations with them no more and things of that nature because, yes, I became the black sheep of the family because I chose to think different. You know, um, my on my father's side, everybody got degrees. You know what I'm saying? And uh, they always used to pressure me to go to college to get a degree, and uh, I never did that. Like, I never uh, – I always did my own thing. Like, you know what I'm saying? I always was like, nah, school ain't making sense to me. You know, I start seeing people – Um, I start seeing people graduate from my school and do good and get straight A's in my school that I knew that I was more intelligent. And then, you know, I started to realize that, hold on, where is this about following directions or is, is this about intelligence? And once I realized that school was about following directions and not about intelligence, it really disinterests me in that. So, you know, um, I became the black sheep of my family first starting off with me deciding not to uh, want to go to college. And this was before I even was awakened to any type of knowledge, but you know, um, my grandmother cursed me out the other day because um, my cousin, quote unquote, caught COVID and uh, my father, quote unquote, caught COVID. And I had told my grandmother, it's the vaccinated people. 
<laughs> that's uh, spreading it or whatever. She cursed me out and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely a black sheep of my family. But like I said, now that I've found my tribe, I love being a black sheep. And you know what I'm saying? I feel like we the Avengers, you know what I'm saying? Or we the X-Men, you know, chief is P- Professor Xavier, like I always say. And you know what I'm saying? We the superheroes, so we got to say the day. We got to say the word. Hey, you know, we the original superheroes on this planet. But uh, I just want to say, man, I'm proud to call you my brother, God. And uh, if we have any uh, members of the audience who have a question uh, for God, we got time for, for three questions before we open it up for the uh, the open dialogue. But if you have a specific question for God, please, oh, yeah. Deke, go ahead. Peace, family. Peace to the room. Peace to the guys. What's going on? Um, I, I don't necessarily have a question because the, the, com- the conversation is so comprehensive. Y'all really um, y'all hitting on some on some on some uh, heavy topics and dropping some jewels. But I just want to say, man, to the brother uh, to the brother Jahi, yo, your music is vicious, brother. I heard the song um, "Flower Girl." I think it's called that. That is your song. Feather girl. Feather girl. Feather Girl, I'm sorry, my bad, Feather Girl. That joint is fire, bro. Like I, I just I just wanna say I really appreciate the message and for you being so unapologetic in your uh your delivery of the message, man. And um it kinda uh puts me in that mind state where um you know, when I experienced the transition into my consciousness, um it was so much it was so much conscious music that had already been out that I was already tapped into growing up, but I didn't understand the message until I start learning things. And I started getting excited about going back and listening to Dead Prez and Common and Most Death and Talib Kweli and all of those conscious rappers because it was like, damn, now I get it. And so I, I remember going back and, and tapping into all them old albums and, and catching the vibe, how it was supposed to be caught. And, uh, you know, listening to your music kind of puts me in that same frame of mind because I'm embarking on this new branch of my journey where I'm starting to understand my Aboriginal, um, you know, indigenous ancestry here on this continent. And just to be able to have some music as a soundtrack for this portion of my journey, brother, I just want to thank you for that. Um, but I have no questions. I just wanted to give a brother flowers, man. Appreciate y'all. Yeah, uh, I definitely appreciate that, my brother. And, you know, I really salute you for, uh, you know, saying what you said. And and that's and that's basically my uh, main goal when it comes to me making my music. I want to make timeless music. You know what I'm saying? I want to make music to where you know, 100, 200, 300 years from now, you know, this is, you know, I'm documenting our history the right way in its proper context. And then, you know, our offspring is going to be able to listen to this and understand, okay, he was pushing this. And also, like I said, I make it for the people that's woke and then I make it for the people that's on their journey to become awakening. So like you said, um, you know, you might listen to something I say and, you know, you might be like, oh, yeah, that's dope. But then probably 10 years from now, when you get a certain type of uh, level and more knowledge and, you know, you go back to the music, you're going to be like, oh, my God, he was saying this. So, yeah, that's basically what I go for. So the fact that I see that that's, you know, was the impact that I'm having on people, I salute that. Yeah, it's definitely resonating. It's definitely resonating, G, um, to, to those who, uh, who could tap in. So, yeah, much love, man. And, hey, uh, uh, Jay Ali, man, I appreciate appreciate the uh, – I appreciate the room and and, uh, and your platform, brother. I'm, uh, I'm gonna talk to you a little bit offline, man. But uh, I just I just want to uh, just, just show you some love, my dude. Much love, bro. Man, I, I really appreciate that. And for those of you in the audience who, who don't know uh, the God, uh, the Ivory, he has a company with New Energy, 
I'm literally wearing his uh, copper necklace right now. If you see me in person, if you see me online, uh, with something around my neck, please believe this brother is protecting energy. So I'm going to get everybody tapped in. The guy, John Bricks, you got to protect your energy too. I want to get you two connected. I'll personally get that connection to you. But absolutely, man, this is the God. And, and um, just for, for people who aren't aware, uh, the God has his show on Tuesday. Correct me if I'm wrong, it's 5 to 7 uh, Central time, yeah. I'm, I'm on the East yeah, Coast. So so it's, uh, yeah, so six, yeah, 6 Eastern, 5 Central. Uh, every Tuesday on the Wake Up Radio, uh, courtesy of our of our sister uh, Cindy Ashby, and you know, like, like I said in the intro, and I'll say it again, it is the only one of the few melanated uh, censorship free speech platforms. We don't have to worry about these fact checkers coming here telling us what we can and cannot say. So uh, I definitely I appreciate you, D. Do we have anybody in the audience that has another question? Before we move to the next section. Yeah, I do if I could. Peace, peace. Can you can you hear me? We can. All right, all right, fantastic. Yo, I appreciate your music, good brother. Uh, the evolution of, of hip hop. I do have a a question. Understanding that uh, hip hop is wordplay and there's science behind it in terms of just overall composition and the way words work. So with with that in mind, uh, what kind of new uh, sort of words or revision or revised words and language are you using to put forth your message more consciously, say, than maybe work of the past? So, you know, in other words, you know, what kinds of things have you maybe added or removed from from the way you bring out your message in terms of building your own, uh, say, hip hop lexicon, if you will? Okay, got you, got you. So uh basically um I I try to I try to make my music uh as authentic to me as possible, but um you know, kind of digestible for certain people and you know, when I want to reach certain people, I do certain things. Uh I make sure that a lot of my beats uh has like a new vibe to it. So you, I'm 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 not really into the whole boom bap you know, uh, 90s old school, like, you know, I can do it. I could get off on those beats whenever, but I try to like, you know, um, make the beats more modern to where, uh, you know, it is knocking more like a trap, more like a drill type of beat, but I still keep the message on there. You know what I'm saying? And, um, uh, basically one of the words that I use is, um, from the, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I think Algonquin, uh, language is called Niji. And it's from the word Niji Kiwin, which means friend. Uh, and I use that word Niji a lot. And basically, that's my that's my N word that I that I use to uh, try to replace the um, negative N word, which is nigga. Hey, that's dope, brother. I'll, I'll, I'll look that up. Salute, salute. I got a question, darling. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Okay, my question is. When you're writing, are you writing from a place of like through a universal frequency with the ancestors? Or are you writing through experience and research? Or do you combine it? Uh, what was the last thing you said? I, I kind of hear the last thing. You I said. was saying, do you combine it? So are you researching and is it experience or are you just flowing through the universe through the ancestors, right? Trying to 
to your vibe here. Okay, yeah. So um, most of my music is universal. Like it's it's through the universe. Like it just comes to me. Like you know what I what I do is I send signals to the universe through meditation and uh, other things that I do. And when I send those signals to the universe, I'd be like, okay, I want a track that is good for the club, but it's teaching, right? I'll tell the universe that's what I need, right? And then you know through meditation and things of that, it will come to me. Uh, but also, like, you know, it's certain um, songs, but these songs are going to be on my album, so I haven't released them yet. But there's songs where I'm actually teaching. You know, it's a lot of songs. Uh, my album is, is called, uh, it's not out yet, but it should be dropping soon. It's called uh, Get Woke or Die Sleeping. And basically on this album, I've got a bunch of uh, songs that I'm going to have on there where I'm actually teaching the history of our people on a beat. So that those type of songs are strictly through my research. So it's a little bit of both. Thank you, brother. Wow. That is, man, learn, you learn things, you know, more, more things about people every day. So, uh, yeah, um, John, I know you mentioned the, the album that's just, uh, just about to release. Uh, I have a question. Uh, how can a member of the audience uh, follow or stream your music? Like what platforms is your music currently available available on? Okay, um, I'm currently available on all streaming platforms. So if you got uh, what, what's the streaming platforms? iTunes, um, Apple Music, Spotify. You could just type in Job Bricks and my music will pop up. Um, also, I actually don't have my new page. Uh, I have my old page connected here. I gotta actually uh, change my new page. But you can follow me on Instagram at Job Bricks underscore. Uh, and it's uh, Bricks with a Z. So J-A-H-B-R-I-C-K-Z underscore. And uh, you can follow me on there and you can click the link in my bio. And it basically has the links to all of the songs that I currently have out. And uh, basically, uh, if you want to just have an update on my music, you just follow me on Instagram. Uh, I post almost every day. And, you know, I'm going to have a lot of freestyles that I'm going to be promoting because I'm actually have a mixtape that's dropping before my album. So you can just follow me on there for uh, updates. And you can also uh, either DM me your email uh, or um, I'll, I'll do like a little email listing. I'll probably do it probably like next week. And uh, I'll send it to certain people. They can put their email into my email list and then they could be updated on um, all of the moves that I got made, about to be made. When you know who you are, you don't concern yourselves with the opinions of who doesn't. The history about our ancestral indigenous roots have been hid for far too long. From colonization, amalgamation, the raiding of ancient mounds and ancestral lands, hiding bones and artifacts in the Smithsonian basement, murdering melanated chiefs, whitewashing photographs, paper genocide, trail of tears. Men like Hernando de Soto, Andrew Jackson, and Walter Plecker have plotted to brainwash generations regarding the truth about our heritage. That period of deception and miseducation is over with. The awakening is well underway. The legacy of the Shi, the mound builders, the Mayans, and the Indians live on through the modern Aboriginal American family. You mad, bro? Deal with it. Ha <laughs> ha, yeah, y'all, y'all better deal with the Shi. Uh, that, that was you? 
Yeah, that was the voiceover, man. That was the voiceover. Yeah, that's hard. And that, that, was, that, was, that was one of the things I did in my other life. You know, I, I, I did all them voiceovers for all these other people. It's about time I do a voiceover for, for something that really actually makes a damn difference. But uh, now is the, the time to open up the floor. I want to invite everybody up uh, for, this, for this next segment. We're going to have our open forum, and I want everybody uh, – to discuss their experiences as the black sheeps of their family, uh, how the lockdown has alienated you from them, your loved ones, and uh, solutions. Like, where do we go from here? So I'm sure I know a lot of the people in this room, just about everybody here is the black sheep. So we can go ahead and open this thing up. Put your hands up. We as Sovereign Creed are dedicated to the nurturing, preserving, and protecting of the Aboriginal American family. We are aligned with the customs and beliefs practiced by our indigenous American ancestors and will continue to ensure that their legacy lives on with everything that we do. Let's go. I know somebody got something to say. Let's go. Well, Let's I, can in. I bring something up? Uh, Absolutely. So uh, in regards to D with your copper, um, I want to bring up copper right now um, in regards to healing from the vaccine. I'll read a quick little excerpt that copper bracelets, anklets, and other jewelry will reduce radio fields and EMFT radiation. Um, and so it's very important that if we want to protect ourselves, probably cop some of the brother's jewelry. I might need to go ahead and hit you up because I need some myself. Uh, anyone who's taken the vaccine, definitely stock up on some copper. Um, and I'll keep reading. We must remember that during quarantine, a new type of electromagnetic signaling was unleashed to the public. It is possible that these magnet-based computers and technologies and these magnets are in your body and could be activated um, by designers. So that's also when you were bringing up, like, the signal thing that's happening. I'm not sure if that's even connected or not, but regardless, um, I think it's just important that people have some more copper. So, yeah. Hey, that's love, Queen. I appreciate that. And, you know, I, I stay coppered down all day, every day. <laughs> um, for, for anybody who is interested, um, you can tap in with me. Um, I do have some uh, custom pieces that I make that are strictly all copper for anybody who's not interested in including crystals in it. But um, I just want to say I appreciate that plug, beloved. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for doing what you do, bro. I can speak on being a black sheep in the family. Go ahead, God. Word, peace, peace. I appreciate this. Peace, bro. Word, word, peace, family. I appreciate y'all. Y'all killing it today. I got on a little late, but um, it was good. It was a good bill. Um, shit. I've been a black sheep since I've been a kid because I've always kind of just been um, hopping to my own tune. So, like, even coming across all this information, uh, like somebody was speaking, I think it was Ja earlier was speaking about how uh, his his mother always informed him that he was an Indian. Like, I had the same thing with my father. But he kind of kept it on the low because other family members, including my mother, weren't really in tune with that message. So when I came across Arna and decided to join the tribe, you know what I'm saying, I let him know. And they, you know, everybody kind of just was a blank face, except for my younger brother. My younger brother's tapped in. I'm trying to get him to join the tribe because he's, he's tuned into this information as well. But, um, you know, shit, just being ostracized, just, just having to 
you know, shit, the way I eat, the way I think, the way I move, you know what I'm saying? It goes against everything. My family is, is highly religious. They come from the, the church and, and you know, you know how that goes, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, it's a, it's dope as hell to, to find this group of people because I definitely been searching for, for this for about 15 years. You know, I came across the Moorish temple, uh, you know, Moorish temple of science, whatever that is. I came across them. I came across sovereign citizens. I came across a lot of people in my journey. And when I came across Arna back in like 2018, it was like, Oh yeah, this is it. This is, this is, these are the folks really doing the work. These are the folks really spitting the truth. And, um, shoot, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, you just got to walk, you just got to walk and be real with yourself and, and not care what, what everybody say, you know, like, yeah, shit. I'm kind of used to it now, you know, being a black sheep, you kind of got to just wear that. You got to kind of wear that identity and just, and accept it and realize like you're the one that's going to break those generational curses. You're the one that's been, that's been tapped to, to change your legacy. And, uh, shoot, I couldn't be more prouder. I'm glad it's me. You know what I'm saying? If anybody going to do it, I'm glad it's me. Cause I know I've been built for this. I know I've been prepared for this from, you know, just, just people in my community, uncles and telling me things when I was younger and my, you know, my father always in my ear about my, my, my lineage and everything. And then, you know, coming across information and just seeing what aboriginal people look like and looking at my great aunts and my aunties and all them and like yo this is my father like this is spitting image they look exactly the same high cheekbones forehead slanted back i'm like nah this is this is it you know what i'm saying it's my folk and uh now nah, i'm just I'm, I'm happy to carry the badge at this point you know what i'm saying like i ain't i ain't even tripping off that so black sheep gang where you at you know what i'm saying roll call what up Man, right here, right here, what up, what up? Right here, God. Uh, I just want to, I just want to, uh, I, I want to second that, what you just said, brother, uh, Perry Hoop. Um, <clears throat> so me personally, um, I have always been the black sheep as well in more ways than one. Um, you know, I was, I, I'm, my mother, um, you know, suffered from a lot of self-hate issues. Um, well, let me, let me not make that past tense. She continues to suffer with a lot of uh, self-hate issues and, you know, just a lot of the typical um, uh, uh, coon-type frame of mind that we all are familiar with. Um, my mother is that to the extreme. You know, this is the best country in the world, and, you know, how dare you disrespect the U.S. government when they take care of us, you know what I mean, that whole sentiment. So I really grew up um, with, with a mother who was, like, anti-black man to the fullest, you know. Um, <clears throat> and so she actually married a white dude who had two mulatto kids, and they had my youngest sister, who's a mulatto. So it was about maybe four or five years or so that they were married, where I was literally the oldest of four, who was the only, <clears throat> the only, um, you know, fully black one or, or, or you know, Aboriginal one. Um, and I was also because of, you know, some of the, uh, the the isolation of being singled out, you know, just in like interpersonal dealings. Like I would notice shit that other people wouldn't even see, you know, how I was treated differently. And, you know, people looked at me differently. Like I didn't belong, you know, with, with the family and shit like that. So from an early age, you know, I started realizing that, you know, that I, some of these issues of race, um, even before anybody would speak on it, you know, within my family and stuff. But, um, you know, they, you know, they eventually got divorced and shit like that, but I still had, you know, a lot of, uh, psychological, um, 
uh, a lot of psychological confusion, you know, as to who I was, you know what I mean? But um, even before all of that, like I always was tapped into different like metaphysical concepts and, you know, I just thought outside the box and I used to ask a lot of questions about things that I later would find out were, you know, real philosophical questions, you know, that are answered by like quantum mechanics and shit like that. So I was really tapped into higher realms of thought from an extremely early age, but I had nobody to cultivate that. Um, but I say all of that to say, you know, being the oldest of those four children and the only one who wasn't a mulatto, um, it was nothing for me to start isolating myself intentionally. And uh, once once my mother divorced the white dude, it was just, you know, myself, my mother, and my youngest sister, my, you know, my youngest sister, who's also a mulatto. Um, and, you know, uh, because of that, you know, any parent that suffers with self-hate issues, you know, they have, you know, issues with colorism and things like that. So my sister and my mother have always been super close. So all through middle school, high school and all of that, you know, it was just me. You know what I mean? I was, I was, I was that kid that, you know, I'll just, I'll just be in the room by myself. You know what I mean? My mother was extremely controlling among other things. And, you know, she just couldn't stand for her black son to be, you know, a free thinking black man. Um, and so I dealt with that a lot, but I always had that internal compass where I understood that this is some shit that, uh, that I shouldn't be taking personally. I always knew my mom just had some issues, you know? And so, uh, now, you know, fast forward as my journey has evolved, um, and I started learning that all of these different, uh, concepts that I was questioning when I was younger were actually valid. And so I just dove head first, you know, on my own. And as you know, my adult life presented me with all types of issues and obstacles, um, I, I've, I've already been prepared to, to kind of, you know, keep a strong backbone throughout my own tribulations. So I've been through a whole lot of shit as an adult. Um, and I really haven't had much of a support system in terms of family. Um, <clears throat> but I, I would say like here lately with all the things that are going on, you know, all of this extreme division and polarizing conversation around the government and, you know, the, 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 uh, the vaccine and all of that. Um, this is right. This is right in my alley. Like this, I'm in my element, you know, being isolated and separated from my family and, you know, the, 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 emphasis, the, the emphasization of the black sheep, uh, and the fact that, you know, we, uh, we're having to find our tribe among each other. This is, a this is not a new, um, a new feeling for me, you know, and I feel like this is what I've been, this is kind of what I've been bred for, you know what I'm saying? And so, um, you know, those of us who get it, you know, it's, it's inevitable that we'll, you know, continue to uh, to build and continue to establish ourselves as the vanguard of this new age because, um, you know, we understand that holistic healing, you know, we're understanding, you know, the knowledge of our ancestry and, you know, we're bringing forth, you know, these ancient traditions that have been lost for a long time, you know, when shit, well, I'm not going to say when shit hit the fan because the shit doesn't hit the fan. It's all over the place at this point. Um, we're we're going to start seeing that these people are going to regret the fact that they trusted the government so much. And at some point, they're going to start looking for these holistic routes. They're going to start looking to reverse the damage done by the vaccine. Um, they're going to start looking to find out who we really are and all the rest of that. And those of us who've been tapped in, we already have established ourselves as the vanguard, you know, the frontliners and the teachers and the, the real thinkers and scholars of the, of the new age. So, um, yeah, we just got to continue to support each other because iron sharpens iron. Yes, it does, my brother. Now, I know we have more black sheep here in this audience. I know some of a lot of you in this room personally, so please don't be shy. This is an open dialogue. If there's ever was an opportunity for you to come up and, you know, have a 
uh, a room full of like-minded individuals, please believe that this is going to be the room. So do I have anybody else? I'm trying to give y'all opportunity to talk before I take over. Let me say something. (laughs) So basically, right, when we think of black sheep, we think of the worst kind of person in the family. That motherfucker that don't listen, the hard-headed person, the person that goes left when everybody goes right. But what if I told you that being the black sheep meant that you were special, that you were chosen? And so let's pretend that we are sheep, but we're not sheep. We might be fucking wolves in sheep's clothing, so that's why we could see shit. Or we might be eagles, or we might be elephants. We're not sheep. So... Basically, all I'm saying is if you ever felt left out, if you ever felt lonely, if you ever felt like, well, damn, this is not my tribe. How the fuck did I get here? Who dropped me off? You were sent there to help those fucking people. Whether or not they get it, that's on them. Continue to be black, powerful, and strong. Thank you. Thank you, sis. And those of you who don't know, that's my producer, Cindy Ashby. She's the one who made this possible. Or if you want to uh, listen to more content like this, more content like the God D, more content like the God Yurima Karama, please go to uh, www.otw2.com. Once again, it's gonna, you're going to hear me say it over and over and over again. I got to beat this dead horse thing because we need to stop being on these platforms, we need to eventually gravitate to something that we own and control for ourselves. So it's extremely important that when we have people like Cindy who are doing a great thing, that we do everything in our willpower to support it. You know, we got everybody in here's got Instagram, Facebook accounts. Some people got TikTok, all this and that. Everybody's on YouTube. We need to be on otw2.com. So if, if I don't have but one goal, is to make sure that everybody who comes into my room make sure that they get a subscription to otw2.com. And if you are a content creator, if you are a business owner, if you are anybody that has a message, you especially should be tapping in to the tube. And you need to go ahead and make sure you follow Cindy. Make sure you get in contact with her and, and just do what you need to do. But I'm a... For those of you who don't know me personally, um, I've moved around a lot. Uh, now I've lived literally all over the country. People always ask me if I'm a military brat. No, I'm not. I'm just following my father's job. My mother is from California. My father is from Pennsylvania. So I spent time on both coasts. I spent my early childhood primarily in the Los Angeles, California area. And I spent my adolescence through high school years in Baltimore, Maryland. So that's a big contrast. Then after that, when I went away to school, I went to play college football at University of South Carolina, and then I, I graduated and finished up my eligibility in Georgia Southern. After I left Georgia, Georgia Southern is rural. That's like Statesboro, which is like an hour outside of Savannah, if you've ever tra- uh, traveled there. So it's extremely country. So I went from California, the California dreaming, to the grit of Baltimore, and now I'm in South Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina, then I'm in rural Georgia, and then I spent 10 and a half years in hot Atlanta, where I met my wife and we got the hell up out of there. So I'm saying this to say I've had the opportunity to come in contact with a lot of people, a lot of people from different backgrounds, a lot of people from different professions. You know, I've, I've been a musical chairs in a lot of different professions. I went from a, a, a collegiate 
athlete to a, a, a high school football coach to a collegiate football coach to a personal trainer to a bouncer to an actor to a bartender to a business owner producer etc etc so during this journey I've learned a lot about myself and my interactions with people I've always particularly uh it was fairly easy for me to make friends. I didn't really have, I'm, I'm a extrovert. I'm an Aries. I'm, I'm a fire sign. I really don't struggle making friends, but as I got older, I started to realize that maybe just picking up friends isn't always it. Because what happens is when you're constantly adding friends, you're adding new energies to your, to your, uh, energy force. And so what happened was I, I would keep meeting these people and keep meeting these people. And yeah, we would have a social relationship, but for the most part, a lot, for a lot of these relationships, we weren't really connecting on a higher level. So as I got deeper and deeper into my studies and uh, like a lot of people in this room, I started uh, gravitating away from the television, gravitating away from just the typical extracurricular activities like partying and bullshitting on the weekends and going to bars, et cetera, et cetera. I got deep into my studies. I've always been a history buff. As a matter of fact, I have an auntie who was a department head at the University of South Carolina. But as I got deeper into my studies and I started to get deeper into the rabbit hole, uh, if anyone's ever visited my home, uh, me and my wife's home over the course of the last couple of years, you can see the library. I think I posted a picture on Instagram the other day. I was just like a portion of it. But I, I got deeper and deeper into my studies, and I just had questions that no one in my family or anyone I knew could answer. And so I had to continue to, to get deep into the studies and deep into the studies. And so, I, you know, uh, even as far as hip-hop, I heard D talk about it, and I heard the guy Jackie talk about it, about there were certain artists that we, that we listened to that were considered conscious, the comments, the Talib Kualis. Uh, I even take it a step further. You talk about the Wu-Tang Clan, and they're incorporating the 5%. Uh, 5% is poor righteous teachers into their music and Nas and et cetera, et cetera. So they had all these rappers. And, and honestly, I was introduced into the rabbit hole from hip hop. You know, a lot of rappers with like even Tupac, they would quote books. And so they would quote books and, and some of the rhymes and I would go and research these books and go read these books. And so as I got older, I became more mature and I could start to apply the things that I was reading. Cause when I was younger, I wasn't mature enough or intellectually I didn't have the intellectual stamina to really let it breathe. And so as I got older and older and I got um, more in tune with my purpose, I started to see things and I was able, able to even predict things. So as we fast forward to the point where I become a father, January 2020, Los Angeles, California, I, I thought I had it all figured out. But, you know, as life always teaches us, these certain lessons and when my son is born about six to eight weeks later COVID happens all my income every and I have multiple sources of income I'm an actor so I'm, I'm doing, getting money from a lot of different things I'm in LA everything stopped so now I have to support my son I got to support my wife who's nursing who's not really working right now and so as these things are happening I'm starting to see the world around me things are changing. I'm starting to see the people around me, they're changing. They're starting to act out of peculiar. Or maybe that was them all along. But because we didn't have 
uh, these black swan events or election years to kind of show you who people were, we were just on, a, these were social relationships. And so what I'm saying that to say is as I've gotten more mature and more deeper into my journey, I'm no longer interested in acquiring friends. See, I consider the people that I connect with now as my family. Like a lot of these people who uh, you know, are speaking up here, that I consider them my family. People in this room who I personally invited, I consider them my family, not my friends. Because let me tell you about uh, family. Family, see, I've, and I talk, I, I talk about this to a couple of people in this room, conversations with my wife all the time. So you have, you have family, and then you have beloved relatives. Okay, so as black sheep, we understand that sometimes your blood relatives, they ostracize you and they outcast you because you have a a differing um, way of thinking uh, that doesn't go, that doesn't coincide with their conditioning. And so when you decide that you want to ask questions and you decide that that you want more, when you decide that you're no longer going for the okie doke or no longer drinking the Kool-Aid, now you become a problem. And so fast forward, my son is born, and now all of a sudden my parents are, are constantly bombarding my wife and I about why my son isn't up on his schedule. And if you know what I mean by schedule, I'm talking about the shots. So that was the first flag. That was the first red flag where we basically were very clear to them that my son is not taking any shots. He's not getting any of these vaccines because we had done the research and based on our research, we weren't comfortable with playing that game of Russian roulette. We knew about the MMR, uh, having causing complicate comp- complications that led to, uh, autism with little black boys. We, we knew about the, uh, eugenicist origins of plant parenthood in this relationship with the CDC. We, we have the, uh, ingredients to all of the vaccines on the schedule that are that they want to administer to children. We've researched every single ingredient in every single vaccine. So we 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 sent them documentaries that in detail articulated exactly why we weren't comfortable. My parents wouldn't even watch it. They didn't even watch it. So we fast forward to more uh, election year, more of this, we got to get Trump out. Uh, and, and just for the record, I'm not a Trump fan either, but I'm intellectually fit enough to know that we cannot blame all of the issues in our community or the issues of this country on a man who's been in office for four years. No matter how much the mainstream media wants to coerce us into that frame of mind okay most of these politicians are lifelong career politicians like the current person that's in office right now and his counterpart see when you do the research and you understand that you can do more damage with your pen signing a bill than you can do with your finger doing a tweet you understand that there's a difference And so I I say all that to say my parents were upset with me because of the things that I was posting on my timelines. And it got to a point where I was questioned about it. And my mother asked me, Jay, um, I see the things you're posting, baby. I'm concerned. Um, Are you voting? 
I said, I don't know yet. But I'll tell you what, I know I'm not voting for Biden. Well, baby, if you if you're not if you're not voting for Biden, then uh, then who are you voting for? You know, they're not voting for Trump. I said, I don't know yet. Oh, baby. So before my my mother could even respond to what I said, my father grabs the phone and starts to, to try to give me like a lecture about the Dixiecrats, as if I haven't done the research on the Dixiecrats. And he tells me I'd be a fool to vote for Trump. Mind you, I never said I was voting for the man in the first place. But he starts to give me a lecture about the Dixiecrats. But unfortunately for my father, what he didn't know was that Joe Biden, his mentor, if you're familiar with the late, great Strom Thurmond, he was the most notorious Dixiecrat of them all. Joe Biden gave the eulogy at that man's funeral. Joe Biden and Strom Thurmond together were responsible for passing laws that changed legislation that gave different charges for people in possession of crack cocaine as opposed to pure cocaine. Joe Biden was responsible for going in front of Congress and giving that eight-minute speech about, Madam President, we have predators on our street. And, and Hillary took that and regurgitated it and you know, coined the phrase super predators and so on and so forth. Joe Biden did those things. So long story short, well, long story long, I told you this is why I want to give everybody the opportunity because I get into the, the zone. But my father said something to me that day. And he said, you'd be a fool to vote for Trump. He said, I've gone years. He said, you know, I've gone years without speaking to some of my sisters. In other words, you know, if, if you vote for Trump, then you consider yourself cut off. So my response was, we'll be good regardless. And after that conversation, my father and I, unfortunately, have an extremely strained relationship. We don't really communicate. This is, uh, what, almost a year ago. It'll be a year ago on the 16th, so we're approaching a year. Uh, on, on the flip side, I had friends that I had been friends with over 20 years that started to distance themselves from me because of the things that I was saying about COVID, things I was saying about the, the true identity of Black Lives Matter, things I was saying about the election. And I'm saying all this to say is my wife and I, we moved from L.A. to Texas uh, a year ago, and we thought that we were going to be closer to her family, only to find out that, you know, majority of her family was drinking the same Kool-Aid that my parents were drinking. So we had to go on our journey and uh, manifesting what we needed to manifest. And so we went from being alienated and alone, feeling like we had no family, to now we have not one but two families. Not only do I have the Aboriginal Republic of North America in the Hawaii jurisdiction, I also now have the Unity Walk family. And now my goal and objective is to unify that as one family. And, and, and the purpose of this room is to unify all of the black sheep and to return them to their indigenous political status so we can all live autonomously in peace so our children can grow up knowing the truth and living how they desire to live. 
And so I, I just want to say that I thank everyone that uh, has taken the opportunity to to speak or just to uh, join the room. Um, I'm not ending the room yet. We still have a few more minutes, but I, I just wanted to give everybody a uh, and, and trust and believe. I know that was long. I promise you that was the condensed version. <laughs> but uh, is anybody else that want to come up, please? Nobody. D, you got anything else? Shiver, got anything else? Jahi, somebody. Man, I, hey, 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 Jay, I always got something, bro. Great. <laughs> oh, got something. I just, I just be chilling to let other people do their thing, man. But you know, I love the bills, so you know, I always got a little something. But I just, I, I will say, man. Um, you know, I, I feel I feel where you're coming from as far as what you've been experiencing with your father over the past year. Um, that's that's kind of been my relationship with my mother since I started my. You know, I, I wouldn't even say since even even when I was a Christian, man. Like, you know, some some of us as black sheep, you know, we've been experiencing this this ostracization uh, prior to you know um, some of these recent political events. But um, you know. It's 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 almost like whatever wherever my journey took me throughout my life, um, it was always a cause for, you know, some type of a uh, uh, what do you call it, um, uh, you know, just being like just just being pushed away. You know what I mean? It's, it's like when I when I was trying to be a Christian, it was like what, what what you doing, Mister Deacon, Mister Church Man, and you know, and <laughs> looking back is funny as shit, but. You know, it's almost like every every leg of my journey, like no matter what I tried to what I tried to do to just, you know, kind of just become a better person. You know, it was always kind of looked at like, you know, there he go on some other shit again. You know, Daniel always on some deep shit. He always on some extra shit. Nah, nah, nah. Um, but the, 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 the ironic thing about it is, you know, the only reason why we're considered black sheep or anything different from from uh, our folks is that we have the the fucking wherewithal to look further than you know what we're being told you know to, to actually check to see if what you're telling me is true and um you know people who need to be led or need to be governed they don't understand the concept of um taking the initiative to learn things on your own um and those same people give all credence to the education system they give all credence to you know the governing structures and you know, anybody who got a platform to say something, you know, to the masses of people, it's like they got to be true because they were given that platform. Um, you know, so as, as black sheep, you know, like, like, uh, Cindy, as you said, uh, you know, there, it, there's, it's actually an honor to be the black sheep, uh, because, you know, we are literally, um, we are some of us single handedly changing the trajectory of our, of our bloodline you know, in terms of, uh, of the state of consciousness, I have not won literally, uh, this is no exaggeration whatsoever in my entire big ass extended family, primarily saturated in central and South Florida, all the way up and down the East coast. I am literally the only one individual that has an inkling of consciousness. <laughs> I mean, just to see not no, one. Me too. Other I'm, me too. About I'm with you. Me too. It's crazy. Jahi is wild, bro. Cause I mean, yo, I mean, I have mad cousins, you know, um, I, I have, I have a very big family. My mother has, um, my mother is the oldest of seven girls. My father is somewhere in the middle of like five or six boys. They don't have no girls. My mom don't have no brothers. Um, and, and 
all of them have children, you know, but for one, because of all of the, because uh, of all the family drama and, and some of the, you know, generational trauma that we've experienced as a family, we're all disenfranchised and we're not, we're not close at all as an extended family. Um, at least not how we were, you know, when we were kids. But, you know, out of all of these individuals, man, I can't call not one of them and have a substantial uh, conversation about current events or the state of our people or history. Uh, and, and I mean, on no level, not even basic shit, not even a Black Lives Matter conversation. And that's the crazy shit. You know, like, and, and, the, and the thing is, like, you know, Black Lives Matter and, and this whole new so-called woke movement and all of that, it's, it's literally just, you know, it was established to redirect, to, to harness and redirect that revolutionary energy of the youth. Because they know that once the youth get a hold of, 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 of consciousness, then they about to flip some shit over. And that's what the Panthers did. The Panthers was all, you know, people in their late teens and early 20s. Some of them mid-teens. You know, so they know, just like Huey Newton said, the revolution is in the hands of the youth. And so once they realized that all these police killings were stirring up the pot, um, I have other theories that even all of that, you know, the, the, the racial tension and all that shit over the past, you know, 10 years or so, um, I, I honestly think all of that was all leading towards this vaccine. But regardless, I, I really do, bro. I, 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 the way that they move, man, and how strategic and how far out they plan things. Like right now, they got 40, 50 year plans about, you know, how, to, like social structure, you know what I'm saying? Like social engineering on how they expect people to think in 30 or 40 years. The Kissinger um, Report. Hell yeah. Facts. Yeah, yes, yes. And um, so Operation I, I, I Mockingbird. Mockingbird, man, all of that shit. Um, so I, I know that all of that shit was a ploy, but, you know, nevertheless, you know, it stirred up the young the young minds and, you know, people thought, what the fuck is going on? Even though this shit's been happening for a long time, you know, that social engineering through social media is strong because they can put on the forefront of our timeline whatever it is that they want us to see most often. And they'll shadow ban the rest of that shit. And so as people started realizing, you know, we got to do something about these police killings and blah, 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 after, you know, um, Trayvon and Raphael Briscoe and them cats, you know, they, they had they had to harness that energy because the people was getting riled up. So Black Lives Matter um, is, is a very superficial movement. And, is, and we know how, you know, how co-opted it is. But you would you would expect that even if people don't know you know, the history, if they don't know how co-opted Black Lives Matter is or who George Soros is, you would, you would expect that people would at least hop on the social movement because they got in their heart, you know, the, the idea that they need something to change and they, and they actually stand on something. But it's crazy because not one person in my family stands on anything at all. It's all just basic superficial bullshit, you know. And so it, it's difficult because as we navigate this world, you know, we're in an individualistic society and, you know, had, had it not been for this type of extreme situation where we all have to gravitate towards these social platforms, you know, the clubhouses and the Zooms and, you know, all of this shit. Like, I never would have been on this platform, you know, had COVID not hit. And, I, and you know, when I was able to go out and, and, and build, you know, and, and establish community organizations and facilitate different groups and shit, that's, that's what I've always done. I've always been a leader in my community, wherever I find myself. Um, but I lost my ability to be able to galvanize the people in that way. When we had to, you know, sit in our house, you know, for, for weeks and months and shit like that at the time. Um, and so I'm grateful. D, D, I'm sorry. I, I, yes. I definitely want to let you finish, but um, I, I, we're running out of oh, time. Oh, no. Hey, bro, it's cool. I, I I'll pass the mic, bro. It's all good. No, 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 no. I'm actually going to gonna uh, close this out. But, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, 
uh, everything you said, everything I, everything is spot on. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. I'll leave us with this. Uh, every single movement, every single significant movement that's had traction has always been infiltrated. Whether it was the UNI, whether it was Marcus Garvey's movement, whether it was Noble Jew Ali's movement, uh, whether it was, you know, Nation of Islam or with Elijah Muhammad, Malcolm X, et cetera, et cetera, whether it was the, uh, you know, the, the Black Panther movement, the Black Liberation Army, any significant movement that we've ever had that had traction was stifled because it was infiltrated with government informants and agents and everything. And uh, Jai, he touched on this earlier uh, about COINTELPRO and how he's trying to flip it. Well, when they ran out of revolutionaries, they started to shift to the news. And so that's why people like Tupac and people like that were targeted early. I mean, Tupac, let's be honest, like his auntie was who? Asada Shakur, so he, or godmother, excuse me, but he was on the list from birth. But uh, I could go on and on, and this was just the first one, people. Tap in, we're going to be doing this uh, every Wednesday. Well, not next Wednesday, we'll be out of town at the Aboriginal Summit. For those of us in the room, we'll be traveling. But the following the following Wednesday, which I believe is August the 25th, we will be uh, we will have our next episode. So I want to uh, thank everyone for tuning in to the inaugural episode of the Sovereign Creed Show. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Sovereign Creed. And definitely check out our website at www.sovereigncreed.shop to purchase our line of provocative apparel. I want to give a special thanks to our guests, Shira Mate Ajo. And John Brick, shout out to our producer, Cindy Ashby, for making this possible. If you haven't done so already, make sure you go sign up for www.otw2.com so you can join our community of melanated aboriginal content creators where your voice can be heard and you never have to worry about censorship. Tune in for the next episode. And I'm your host, Jay Ali Shiamaru, and this is On The Wake Up Radio. Thank you, guys. All right, peace to the God. Peace, peace and abundance. Out. City, damn Perry, keep away. How another black man, your yeah, op, make it make sense. When the system got y'all niggas going through the same shit. Every since a youngin', I've been running, getting to the kick. Dog, you ain't a hundred, this a hundred. Let me demonstrate. If she ain't got brains, then I ain't tryna penetrate. And if you ain't a stand-up needy, you could get your dinner ate. I ain't buying all that real shit. Dog, you benefit. Took on a dinner date. Now we on the interstate. Might be a 
truth, drilling shit, we a gang gat Let me see your troops, getting money, pull up stunting on them Let me see your coop, genocide, they pointing weapons at you You don't even shoot, real nigga, how you say you real? You don't love your peeps, family man, grind, feed your family Nigga, fuck the streets, sliding on each other When the government, the enemy, if we come together We got power, nigga, in the beef Real nigga in the beef You ain't getting money Ain't no reason to be in the streets Striving to be legends We ain't trying to be a memory And now nah, you ain't my nigga You my Niji Aborigine Every since a youngin I've been running Getting to the cake Dog you ain't a hundred This a hundred Let me demonstrate If she ain't got brains Then I ain't trying to penetrate And if you ain't a stand up Niji You could get your dinner ate I ain't buying all that real shit Dog you been a fake Took her on a dinner date Now we on the interstate infomercial and I have a question for you. Are you tired of social media outlets that block real content? I mean, are you tired of your favorite internet truth teller getting blocked or put in fed book jail? Tired of making a comment and the algorithm quickly deems your comment to be offensive and takes it down? I mean, are you tired of making a post and a fact check pops up, making it look like your info isn't accurate and then it turns out that the fact check is actually the lie. Are you tired of seeing white people get by with racist commentary or post and they never get blocked, but unapologetically black truth tellers are always having their videos taken down? Tired of having to wait a month or seven days or 14 days for your favorite social media truth teller to get their page back up because white owned social media outlet owners take their content down whenever they feel like it. Tired of black people getting on white-owned social media outlets and finding out that the outlet is making billions of dollars, but you don't get one red cent of that money? Well, if you're really tired, then you should do as I did and make the switch. Yeah, come on over to otwtube.com where your content and comments are actually accepted. Also, get the Urema Karam app where you can stay up to date on real truth that lamestream media intentionally hides from you. Come on over to sites that accept you being unapologetically black. I mean, come on over to sites that love you being free to express yourself. This is why I took my aboriginal indigenous melanated ass on over to OTWTube, because I recognize the importance of freedom of speech. I recognize that I would be doing my ancestors a tremendous disservice if I stayed a slave on social media outlets that want to dictate what I say and when I can actually say it. If you're tired like I am, then make the switch now to otwtube.com and get the Urema Karama app. Tap into the truth, because that's what you deserve. I am Urema Karama, and I approve this message. Look it up. Flawed individual. Thanks for keeping the lights on, Deang. Cindy Ashby Production. On the wake up.